Hey everybody, and welcome to the Did You Know Crypto podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm very excited to be welcoming the Bitcoin heretics, that's Krista Rose, Vin Armani, and Daniel Krawitz to the show. We're going to be talking about the hash war, a recap of it, but also the way forward and how this has changed the landscape and where we all think that things are going to be going. I really think that you're going to enjoy this episode. It was full of very interesting ideas, very unique opinions that you don't really get in a lot of other spaces out there just because most people are stuck in their own camps and they don't want to talk to anybody else. And that's why I enjoy bringing these guys on because they come from three different opinions and different tribes really in this space. So I hope that you enjoy it. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go over and like, review, and share on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. So thanks again and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Did You Know Crypto podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome Vin Armani, Krista Rose, and Daniel Krawitz. Uh, within the past couple weeks, we've had a really interesting time in the Bitcoin universe. And I had been on the podcast prior to the beginning of the hash war uh, to discuss the implications. And you know, since then, um, now that's actually taken place, we've seen some very interesting events uh, and kind of unexpected turns occur. And I wanted to uh, discuss that at length. But before we begin, I'd like to go around and have everyone, you know, introduce themselves to the audience. Let us know who you are, what you do in the Bitcoin universe, how Bitcoin found you. Um, and Vin, why don't we uh, start off with you? All right. So I'm Vin Armani. I'm the chief technology officer of Cointex.io. And I, uh, I got my first Bitcoin in 2012. And I've been developing on the Bitcoin blockchain since 2014. Um, recently, it's it's become much more interesting with Bitcoin Cash, and um, so yeah, I've been involved with with that and developing on Cointex, building out our platform there. And um, you know, I, we we had our earlier episode where we were talking about the hash war, and I think with these guys on, we can get some uh, uh, we can get much deeper into it. We've done some stuff with this Bitcoin heretics format that we've been uh, working on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to talking with you, Dustin, and talking with these guys. And Chris. What's up, party people? I'm Chris DeRose. I am a fairly old-time Bitcoiner. I got into the scene in 2011, and I've been following it ever since. I run the Bitcoin Uncensored podcast. We talk Bitcoin once or twice a week with special guests and uh, with my own insight on the industry. And I spend a lot of time in the Briar Patch discussing with other Bitcoiners what the hell is going on in this space. And uh, we do that all day, every day, seemingly. And Daniel? Uh, uh, I started an organization called the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, where we archived uh, Satoshi's posts and emails. And I uh, was writing about Bitcoin before uh, there were many people writing about it. And lately, I, I left that organization, and now I have a YouTube show called Bitcoin Stuff, where I play a character called the Emperor of Bitcoin. 
All right. And our first uh, topic of conversation, like I said, was going to be kind of the recap of events uh, prior to the 15th. Uh, I just wanted to go over and we'll just go in that same order of, of Vin and Chris and Daniel. And if we could just, uh, you know, kind of summarize, you know, what you thought was going to happen, you know, prior to the event um, and kind of what your thought process was and how you reached that conclusion. And then now that it's over, uh, not so much what you think is going to happen, but how did the way that it played out in reality kind of either confirm or conflict with how you thought it was going to and your your thoughts on that? So uh, you and I did, of course, the uh, episode on your podcast where I talked about what I anticipated that uh, that this hash war was going to bring to to the ecosystem. And it was obviously it was a lot less than it could have been. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. But as we discussed this schism and then the resulting uh, what looked like it was going to be an attack and then was thwarted. And I, we can talk a little bit more about how that all all came to pass. Uh, it, Regardless of, of what ended up happening, uh, which was, I think, I don't know whether it was better. I don't know whether it was, whether it was worse. Uh, we ended up with Bitcoin Cash being split into two competing chains now, uh, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV which was something that was always on the table. Uh, also on the table was the chance that the hash war would end up with just one chain. I actually kind of prefer this outcome, but the outcome that I think nobody prefers is that we saw a corresponding drop, a crash really, in the prices of almost every crypto asset out there. And it coincided to the day with the hash war occurring. So. I think it, it'll be interesting to get the other guys' thoughts on this, especially since I think the way that it's shaped out is that we have uh, myself, it looks like, with uh, allegiance to BCH primarily, although I'm pretty much coin agnostic. And it seems like Daniel has found some real interest in Bitcoin SV. And of course, Chris is a BTC stalwart, although a heretic <laughs> in his own way. So I think it'd be interesting for to get um, everybody's opinion on on whether or not this actually this this system wide crash was actually due to the hash war. I'm I'm inclined to believe that it was. I think that one of the outcomes was a, a huge drop in investor confidence overall. I think just the idea that a a well-heeled and well-funded adversary could really threaten a chain and potentially take it over. I think that was something new, uh, a new variable thrown into the ecosystem. So, so yeah, I mean, in my opinion, this what we're seeing in terms of this entire crash uh, by various different, uh, both direct and indirect action uh, is, is, I think it's due to the hash war. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the end analysis is we ended up with two chains and we have a, a massive, um, a massive pullback on the price of every crypto asset out there. That was a good introduction. Uh, I, I share a lot of that uh, opinion. One of the nice things I think about us as a trio is that we do have uh, diverging opinions, uh, oftentimes even, uh, but I respect their opinion for its consideration. And uh, I, I have no doubt they feel the same way, which is rare around here. There's a lot of a lot of blocking out there when somebody hears something that doesn't comport with their worldview. Uh, I, I didn't think much would happen, uh, actually. I, I thought 
we'll get into this over the interview, but I thought that this was largely going to be a bluff on the Bitcoin SB part. And at the time of uh, attack, it would peter out is what I kind of thought. And uh, I, I don't know that uh, I was entirely wrong there, but I know that I wasn't entirely right. I was a little bit surprised that the price took as big a dump as it did. Uh, and I'm a little bit reluctant to say that this price dump uh, is entirely due to the fork, though it's clearly due in part to the fork. Uh, the other potential reason for the price drop might actually be the tether news, which correlated around the same time. Um, but it's a little bit arguable. Uh, and we've had like two big price jumps here too. So uh, it could be one and then the other at work, kind of a left-right punch to the whole Bitcoin community. But yeah, I, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the forking that I think Bitcoiners are realizing for the first time, uh, not least of which is that Bitcoin may in fact have leaders of some kind. And that I think has caused some people to re uh, investigate their investment thesis. And Daniel, uh, prior to the, you know, the beginning of this hash war, your video that you posted on Bitcoin stuff about Enchain, um, and I'll link that in the show notes for everyone that wants to listen to that, and they should. But if you could actually uh, include that, you know, in your explanation, if you weren't going to already, on how you kind of understand how Enchain operates, um, you know, explain through a, you know an objectivist lens, and um, and yeah, and just include that as well. Uh, okay, well, uh, I guess I would say a hash war is a way of uh, forcing. Uh, your competitors to uh, experience the consequences of their mistakes more quickly than they would have otherwise. So uh, any failure on the part of any miner to understand Bitcoin is potentially a, the cause of a hash war because a miner who doesn't understand Bitcoin and who was not mining in a way that is economically optimal would be vulnerable. And engaging this miner in a war would be a way of putting him out of business more quickly. Uh, and uh, my video on Enchain is... Um, uh, it, what I say is that Enchain is demonstrating their superior intelligence in various ways. And uh, in particular, uh, one way that I will mention is that I think they have a uh, manipulative image because uh, they have Craig Wright and they have Jimmy Wynn. And they have uh, opposite personalities and ways of talking to their audiences. So Enchain, the company, is uh, manipulative because it's two-faced. And that is more intelligent than uh, we have seen previously, in my opinion. Um, and so uh, to respond to uh, what... Chris and uh, Vin were saying, uh, I would say that the crash in the price has to do with the hash war being a demonstration of value. And uh, I believe 
that the uh, uh, proof of work is an application of the handicap principle. So uh, hashing is like if a, a buck was, was growing bigger antlers. That's what the battle is, is over. And costly signals are a demonstration of value. And uh, other, other coins have proof of work, but uh, they do not know how to play the game with, with them. So they're, they are like, they're like a, a buck that is all antlers and no body. Um, and the people who were fighting the hash war were selling BTC because they think that it's worthless. So that's, that's why uh, the rest of the market went down, in my opinion. And as, as far as in this, there's a lot of talk for, for people to better understand um, maybe some of the terminology there where ABC instituted a, a checkpoint. Um, I, I don't know whoever would want to take this one, but you know, if we could explain what a checkpoint is, um, is this a legitimate defense? Or I should say, obviously, it's a legitimate defense because in a way it worked, at least from my understanding, I'm open to being corrected. Um, but some have uh, called it basically a centralization policy. I mean, I, I, I guess I could uh, talk about that. The, so the, to, to set the stage, the fear from the ABC side about what SV was going to do was basically Craig Wright had threatened to uh, reorg the he had he had specifically threatened to reorg exchanges in the past but what was the fear of the abc camp was that the sv miners were going to do what's called shadow mining which is that they were going to be mining a chain also sometimes called selfish mining they were going to be mining a, a chain that they were not broadcasting uh, to the rest of the ABC network. So they would basically have, uh, these would be attacker nodes sitting with the ABC rule set, mining a chain uh, in secret. And then at some point, they would have enough hash that they would be able to find a block and that they would reorganize the entire chain. So basically they would rewrite some number of blocks, whether that was 10 blocks, 50 blocks, 100 blocks, uh, and and basically put in in place this chain that they had been mining that would have been presumably and ostensibly that would have been um, compatible with the SV rule set. There was some ideas that potentially they could merge these two together and you'd end up with one chain. So ABC took a an action, which I think there are going to be some, there have already been political trade-offs to it. Uh, but I think that there are going to be some real trade-offs down the road for taking this action. But in, in war, people do certain things um, out of fear to try to defend themselves. And basically what they did was, uh, first and foremost, they put in what's called a checkpoint. And now what this checkpoint is, is it's, a, a, it's basically a line of code in the software. There are already several. Uh, Satoshi put some in. Core put a few in. ABC has been putting them in every six months uh, with their hard fork. Basically, what it says is it tells a miner that it, it prevents that sort of reorganization and that it tells a miner uh, 
whatever blocks are here, you, you can only mine on top of a chain that includes this particular block hash. So they included a hash that was the first hash after ABC and SB split. So it essentially said any reorganization would have to be incompatible with the SV rule set. And unfortunately, I think they've taken it a step further now in that uh, over a series of updates since that time, since November 15th, uh, now it's come to a point where they have added what they're calling deep reorg protection, uh, which is basically a system now whereby every 10 blocks, there's essentially a checkpoint. So a miner could not reorganize the chain, basically roll it back or rewrite it more than 10 blocks. Um, this is not uh, how this has traditionally been done. Uh, I saw today that Dash released something very, very similar. I think perhaps out of the fear that uh, of, of people like Sharkpool uh, and others who have come along and said that they were going to attack altcoins in the same way with Hash Wars. Uh, Dash is doing it through their master nodes. I think we're going to see this uh, this continue to build up, and I think that this is going to become a thing now. Uh, it certainly is something that I think the exchanges are happy to see. It's it's an insurance policy for the exchanges, but I, I, I do think there's been an argument made on the SV side. I think a lot of it's been hyperbole, but I, I think that um, there is some validity for sure to the idea that these checkpoints are being put in by uh, by developers, uh, I, I do think that this may be a step too far. I think it was probably something that they had to do because it did appear that that SV was shadow mining. There was a lot of hidden hash during the hash war, and it may have been what saved the ABC chain. But uh, I think this may end up coming at some at some cost. I mean, uh, I'm interested to hear what 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 Chris and Daniel think about think about that as well. Yeah. So in my estimation, mining is one of the most mysterious and alluring parts of the space. It's, it's always been that way. And it was the innovation that was blockchain in the first version of what is blockchain uh, in its definition. Uh, we've, we've changed the definition so many times now. <laughs> I don't know what the word means anymore. But uh, originally, that was what Satoshi brought was a, a calibrating proof of work algorithm. And that was the whole thing here. And so I think... You know, as we go through our Bitcoin journey, people seem to want to know where the magic is. And there's different stops on that journey where you look for where the magic is. And mining is probably the first stop. And it seems that many people believe that the magical part of Bitcoin is the mining. And and that's understandable. The rhetoric is designed around that. And it's a it's a comfortable belief. But I don't think it's actually true. I, th I think that's a bit of a lie. Um, because it's not the notion of burning energy or work itself. It's it's the notion of valid work and that valid part that's that's the cornerstone even of the entire project what is valid is a subjective question uh meaning it's it's up to somebody and uh, maybe that's the users probably that's the devs maybe it's the miners and we've had a number of experiments in the space now where we try to figure out uh who determines what is valid uh, most of those experiments have been inconclusive but it seems to me that um, anybody who, who wants to criticize a blockchain for checkpointing or uh, determine it uh, is somehow uh, substandard hasn't really thought of the equation in full because if the option is on the table for any Bitcoin, 
to checkpoint or to uh, adjust validity, then it's only through the benevolence of of the infrastructure or of the community or of the leaders that that isn't done. And to suggest that uh, Bitcoin SV is an aberration would would be an assessment of the community or the leadership, but not necessarily in my mind of a better Bitcoin, because I think that all of the Bitcoins uh, either um, have this as an option that the community can exercise at any time, uh, or even has exercised the option. And in the case of Bitcoin Core, they've had checkpoints for the longest time. They've only recently, relatively recently, removed those. Um, but even when they removed them, uh, what they did was to create a difficulty checkpoint of sorts. So rather than checkpoint a specific hash or version of, of validity, uh, they said, well, it's valid if it's over uh, this degree of difficulty. And um, so it that that would be expected to change. And, and during the SegWit 2X, um, it was pretty, pretty in my mind at least, it was, it was pretty open that everybody would would be inclined to do something to change what is valid in Bitcoin Core if SegWit 2X activated. And so here, uh, you know, it's it's maybe convenient for the for the uh, for the people who are criticizing for the for the bears to say that this diminishes the utility, but it doesn't. It just seems to me like that's always on the table with all of the bitcoins, and uh, for anybody to think that their bitcoin is immune or different might not be constructive, and and this kind of gets into the nature of what work is, and for me, there's been a number of comprehensions I've had about work. Um, I think where I'm at lately with proof of work is this, uh, we have a set of rules that is the Bitcoin rules, and, and there may be a different, a few different Bitcoin rules you can choose from at this point, all of which have thicker symbols. Um, but the function of mining is to, uh, delegate the inclusion and ordering work to randos on the internet, such that if we do that, the developers don't have that responsibility. And if you understand that, you can understand how Bitcoin got this far, uh, because that was the, the approach taken by uh, BitTorrent to great success, wherein the developers wrote rules and left seeding to randos on the internet. Um, they, that responsibility was those people. Um, generally, in my estimation, that's how decentralization often works, is by finding the parts that are the third rail and giving those to the randos on the internet to do. Uh, and that's usually the efficiency is you kind of set the government against itself and saying, well, okay, well, you, your, your enforcement costs are now higher than the, the benefit, and that's how we're going to play the game. Um, so so I, I think that mining, in my estimation, I think Daniel's going to disagree with this, which will be good, but uh, I think that it's mostly even redundant. Like, it needs to be done, but given the total and near complete lack of uh, attacks or problems that we've had in most of these systems, um, by and large, it, it's a little bit more uh, of a red herring I hate to use that word, red herring in, in many of the functions these days. To me, mining is something that you just kind of like care, care the least about because like that's the part that you, you just don't want to do. And uh, and that's that's my take on it. So I don't see checkpoints as a problem or even inconsistent uh, with any other Bitcoin. And uh, and I'm here as the guy who's representing uh, the BTC ticker symbol, I think. So that that's, that's my overview. And Daniel, what were your thoughts? Oh, um... A, uh, a checkpoint is inherently centralized because in order for it to exist, uh, somebody has to tell you that it happened, uh, not, not through the blockchain itself. Uh, and so it, it, you can only have a checkpoint if you're sure that everybody already agrees on uh, 
what what the history of Bitcoin is. Um, it, in which case, the uh, the Byzantine general problem is presumed solved. Um, and uh, so, uh, work is a costly signal that demonstrates investment in a future Bitcoin income. And uh, therefore, uh, uh, parties which show work are inherently uh, staked to the future value of the Bitcoin system. Um, and uh, it, uh, according to the um, one of the results of the handicap principle idea is that only people who enter the contest are worth paying attention to, uh, e even though the signal is costly and means energy is expanded. Uh, entering the contest is in and of itself a, a better indicator of value than uh, someone who has not spent energy and who has not entered the contest. And oh, and let me talk about bluffing too, because that came up uh, as well. So uh, recently I saw a tweet from Craig Wright, which said that his favorite interpretation of Goethe's Faust is that um, Faust sacrificed himself to, to Mephistopheles uh, so that mankind could gain knowledge. So he, he sacrificed himself in an unselfish way. And um, to me, that is what the hash war is, because um, it is reasonable to pay attention to costly signals. So that's what was being demonstrated during the hash war. And at the same time, Craig Wright was training the market on what to pay attention to, because uh, he knew everybody would be looking at him. So he, uh, he created a, uh, a very uh, confusing signal that, um, uh, that um, uh, uh, pre prevented the, the market from, from getting, uh, pre prevented the, the, the rest of the Bitcoin community from sort of getting the information that they, uh, they, they might have wanted from him. And um, to me, that is a demonstration of value because uh, in Austrian economics, uh, secrets are what, what earn profits. Profits are earned by knowing something ahead of the market. So uh, someone who can consistently act confusing uh, is someone who knows uh, what's going to happen in the market ahead of other people. And in regards to um, bluffing, as you just mentioned as well, one of the questions I was going to have was that um, the, the I guess some people call the proof of listing uh, in a way where exchanges uh, seem to have been able to overcome the, the perceived threat uh, that Craig had said that he was 
uh, basically, you know, uh, uh, going to block transactions from from exchanges if they didn't adopt, um, you know, his chain. Did you? I, I know that you've you've had a, a disagreement with with Vin over what constitutes, um, a, a, you know, a hash war uh, in that is uh, whether it's a winner take all or whether it's a longer term struggle. But it seemed on the face that he lost um, lost this battle in a way. Uh, but I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on? Um, and this, this is to Daniel. What are your thoughts on kind of the longer, um, you know, did he actually lose the the hash war or is this kind of a longer term struggle? Uh, yes, he lost the hash war. Well, so, so, so far, uh, uh, um, Calvin Air has said that replay protection will be implemented, but, uh, that hasn't happened yet. But, uh, if, if it does, that is, uh, that is losing. However... Uh, I think that ABC will find that they have won a Pyrrhic victory. Uh, and, and well, I hope that the replay protection that we're going to get is not going to be mandatory, but as far as I know right now it is. And uh, I think that's, um, that, that's a mistake. But um, a- as to... Um, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. There was something else. Um, well, Daniel, Daniel, I have a I have a question for you. I wanted to uh, to ask you this because it's uh, b- before it slipped away from because it uh, was related to something that you had just said. You know, I saw this um, this I saw a video, an interview in London with Calvin Air today. He was talking to the guys from Bitstocks. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh, in in my I've in the content that I've been doing in the lead up to the hash war, I think that I was very much under the impression that uh, Calvin had uh, had a grand kind of long-term war plan type strategy. Since this event has happened, I've started to come to a little more of a conclusion. And this interview that I saw today actually solidified it a lot more to me that perhaps I, I think I may have been wrong and that uh, Calvin Air is actually a true believer. Um, he mentioned, you know, his uh, sort of his his faith as it relates to Craig Wright uh, and Craig Wright's desire to deliver a, a a great a great work, a masterwork, if you will, to uh, to the world in the form of this uh, sound money vision that he has. And people are wondering why Calvin is burning through this money. I know that you, uh, Daniel, have have been a, a big proponent, and as of late, have been saying that that uh, seeking profit is the most important thing. But I don't know if uh, if you are also seeing this, but it does seem to be that perhaps there's a, there's much more of an ideological and almost religious bent to the reasons why Calvin Ayer is spending the money that he is, and. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that because I'm starting to think that this is a a, a much more of a uh, dare I say even a spiritual or religious quest that these guys are on, even more so than a, a quest for profit. Oh, okay. So, well, first of all, uh, you reminded me of what I was going to say before, and that is that uh, I think that uh, the the uh, the uh, the uh, I think Craig and Calvin were uh, 
lying about having long-term plans for the hash war. And they were making, especially Craig, was making threats that were all things that are theoretically possible uh, and which would be uh, within his right to do as a minor, but were actually uh, not health-promoting for the Bitcoin system. And uh, to me, this is, this is uh, an example of how he is teaching the market what to pay attention to, because Bitcoin is about incentives. So that means that certain things miners can do uh, would, are not things that they really would do. And the fact that um, that uh, the the ABC developers uh, reacted to these threats is a demonstration that they do not understand Bitcoin. Uh, and the the reason for spending money on a hash war is that uh, what ABC was doing to the chain was very destructive and would have uh, led to uh, the chain's demise ultimately. So if you see value uh, in the Bitcoin Cash chain, or if you saw value in it before, you should be willing to, uh, to fight a hash war in order to keep it from being damaged. Uh, if you see if you see value in the uh, the um, in in the the healthy path for it. So Daniel, so do you see that the checkpoint more as uh, as you said a pyrrhic victory as more of a a scorched earth policy and is kind of a long term health of the chain. Um. Uh. Yeah. A checkpoint shows that they don't believe in proof of work. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying listening to this episode as much as we did recording it. I don't have any sponsorships, so I'd really appreciate it if you go over to iTunes, rate and review it five stars if you think I'm worthy of it, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. Um, if you could also go to our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, you know, any of the social media pages that we have, like and share them. It really helps spread the word. So once again, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Um, and now I, I, I wanted to delve into kind of the, the, the really meaty part, the part that I was really looking forward to, to talking about. And that's kind of where do we go from here? Um, you know, the impact that this had uh, and where, you know, each of your because you guys, as you admitted, you you all come from different tribes, um, you know, Vin, uh, Bitcoin Cash, B, B, you know, BCH, kind of agnostic. But, uh, Chris, you're with uh, Bitcoin BTC and Daniel. um seem to align with SV and and uh, and the shark pool folks as well and each of those have kind of a different thesis on how Bitcoin uh, can be successful and so the implementations and strategies uh, are gonna vary either slightly or a lot to achieve these goals and in these events um, how how have the events that have transpired and the learning experiences that we've gotten from it, um, affected uh, your way, how this is all going to turn out? Where do you see 
um, this this all going from here. And, and Vin, we'll start with you. What what why don't we uh, why don't we start with Chris? Because I, I want I really want to hear okay, Chris's, uh, Chris's take on this. Yeah, great. So for me, there's a lot of big issues here that uh, I think are coming to a point. I, I would say that I, I find the hash war as a moniker for this to be a bit disingenuous. It's a great marquee. It gets people in, into the into the fight. But I I think as evidenced by the checkpoints, I, I, I don't think that the people who are invested in these systems are just going to like pack it up and go home. Uh, that does not seem to be the level of commitment that these people have, nor, sh nor should it be. So I, I think that in any given case, whatever would have happened, we we wouldn't have seen somebody really walk away with their tail between the legs, like, save for Bitcoin SV, which uh, has not manifested. So, so they're in it, and that's good. Um, in, in terms of Calvin, what's interesting to me is that due to a lot of fairly complicated things that I'm not even sure about, people come into the space and they receive a perspective. And that perspective has everything to do with uh, when they got in and who brought them in. And that perspective becomes the, the mile marker or the measuring point for everything that happens uh, to them thereafter. So for me, I was in very early. My perspective was very much of a Bitcoin as a fungibility solution for buying uh, things with some degree of privacy. That was the perspective that I came with. And then a few years later, uh, a whole bunch of people, uh, much more than, than was part of my generation, came in for the exact opposite reason, where they came here for auditability and transparency uh, and permanence. And uh, that was that took me a while to figure out even. And so uh, now here we are with Calvin. And I don't, it it's going to be very important to consider who brought him in. And I don't know that answer. And under what pretense, because that would probably be his MO for a good while, if not forever, even in Bitcoin, um, that whatever allure, whatever utopia, whatever promise was given to him at that time is probably the fulfillment of the mission for him. Uh, so if, if Bitcoin cash, uh, BCH wasn't doing it for him, uh, certainly he would take it to Bitcoin SV here. Um, and you know, in terms of faith, that's going to be an increasing, increasing uh, drumbeat around here. I, I, it's, it's a kind of a mixed bag. I, it's very good in that it, at least in my mind, indicates some degree of uh, health, but it also can be very bad in that it indicates a good degree of intolerance probably as well. So, so we're seeing that. Like I've been introduced on the show as the BTC guy, and I don't mind that introduction, but I care more about Bitcoin in any given flavor. And uh, it, it's, un it's unfortunate that the whole community is battling against itself here uh, as a result of all kinds of things, uh, rather than working together uh, towards the ends that conceivably they have a lot in common with, uh, you know, amongst each other. Um, I think that this fungibility versus transparency thing is really going to become the next big issue uh, because you have these demographics that came here that are very vocal um, for, for either transparency or for the exact opposite fungibility. Uh, it's very funny even. And uh, just to make it even more weird, the SEC shows up and says, uh, in, in fairly uh, not uncertain terms, that Bitcoin is here to stay. But what they don't understand is that what is Bitcoin is very arbitrary and highly debatable. So, so that what might end up happening now is if ICOs are not okay and Bitcoin is okay, my guess would be that we would have a lot of uh, social pressure now that would introduce uh, Bitcoin forks as a legal way to offer something more akin to what would have been an ICO last year. And uh, in many ways, there's, there's a centralization and decentralization force involved in the entire community now. 
because we can either decentralize the Bitcoins into many Bitcoins, uh, you know, as, as many as we've had ICOs, perhaps, or we can instead fight for uh, compromise, fight for shelling points and fight for uh, cohesiveness. And uh, that would be a centralization force. And I think that a lot of people here are realizing a couple of things. Number one, I think they're realizing that uh, what is Bitcoin is an, a, a, an assessment of team. Um, it is a community assessment. And I think that perhaps also uh, what they're realizing is that um, the degree to which their investment was a rock uh, is probably very, very close to zero. And uh, that's also very funny to me, quite frankly. Uh, I can see how that happened. That's a longer discussion. Um, but I don't, I don't think now we can look at this and say this, this is a form of gold anymore. Um, and that's, and that's a big, that's a big reckoning for everybody. Uh, we'll see if people feel that way. If the faith endures, um, then it would be expected that we could, um, will ignorance of this revelation that Bitcoin is, is not a rock and, and that'll be interesting, but weird. And, um, I don't, I don't mind if it, it's interesting to watch the demographics that have lined up in favor of Bitcoin SV. It's not, actually not even that surprising. I had a, I had a reporter, a fairly, uh, high-end reporter predict a lot of this. And I, and I don't want to say their name, but kudos to them for seeing the demographics as it is, because it, it's very evident to me that lacking a culture of um, cohesion or uh, leadership, that, it, that there's this, this sort of uh, battle front now in the community for allegiance to um, any given form without compromise. And uh, it's, not, it's not bad for the old hodlers. It's actually probably very good for the old hodlers um, I think it's actually bad for the new people that come in because they they have a analysis paralysis problem and uh, brand confusion problem. And uh, whether or not that's bad for the space, ultimately we'll we'll have to decide. Um, but but my hope is that the product will come uh, if there isn't one already that'll that'll offer them exposure to all of the bitcoins in the way that old hodlers have, and then and then that would be good. So that that's kind of how I see things uh, evolving uh, in in those ways. Um, one last point I would say about mining while we're on the subject. One other point, even though the hash war might be a bit disingenuous in my model, um, what isn't what isn't disingenuous is this notion of sacrifice, which seems to actually be, I, I think, what proof of work could have been or should have been or might even still be uh, in the sense that it represents the degree of sacrifice that's been made for this notion of truth. And uh, what is also coming uh, to be more evident, I think, in this space right now as a result of the fork uh, all of the forks is that maybe sweat equity is at parity with energy consumption. Uh, maybe it, maybe one of the reasons why it's important to get people in the door and mining and performing commerce and becoming allegiant to a team um, is because it creates work in a uh, more conventional fashion uh, in human hours consumed, sacrificing for a shared cost. That would be even my hope. We'll see if that's if that becomes a uh, narrative that people uh, fix to. And Vin? Well, I, I think that um, that for sure these three chains are uh, are going to be important, I think, in the next year to two years in the ecosystem. And I've been thinking a lot of, about what what these three chains sort of represent. And it's interesting because uh, this is something that it seems is also on the mind of Calvin Air because he's had several uh, public statements and also tweets where he's sort of trying to explore what does uh, the SV chain 
stand for, which is which is super interesting that, um, you know, the community and the chain are becoming inseparable, which I think is is important. But it also speaks to the idea that there will probably be a great many more forks in the future. What what I see is that, um, you know, to draw on Eric S. Raymond's uh the title of his his book on open source on the philosophy of open source the cathedral and the bazaar i think that what we're going to see is the constant interplay and conflict between those two models the cathedral model whether you want to call it a sort of hierarchical uh you know top down that there's here's this leadership and they're dictating the direction uh, which I think is much more of of sort of the way that SV is going, where the people who are cleaving to that particular community are certainly cleaving to the the particular one leader at the top, Craig Wright, and um, you, you almost can't even talk to those people because uh, many of them, uh, because all you hear back are just the same uh, memes and catchphrases that Craig Wright happens to be using at the time. So it's better off to just listen to Craig Wright. Um, And I think that you have a cathedral model there. I I think that you have the cathedral model uh, in still in BTC, but I think a lot of that is just by default, just because it's the granddaddy, the people have been involved the the longest, uh, it's the most established, and I think that the memes that are there, although, as Chris says, with the rock meme disintegrating, with the there are no leaders meme disintegrating, we're going to have to see what that means for uh, the BTC chain and, and how that community is going to, to handle what comes. But we'll see. Um, I, I think that the ABC chain is the closest thing in Bitcoin to that, for better or worse, to that bizarre model. And I think that that was why you had so many people uh, coming together in a coalition. And it really was a coalition of people to to sort of fight off what they saw as the looming threat of SV in the hash war. I, I think there are a lot of problems, obviously, with the bizarre model. Um, you you tend to get uh, when you get momentum going in one direction, it's very very difficult to to shift directions. Also, it's very difficult for people to and this is one of the things that I think is why we saw the rise of uh, within BCH why we saw the rise of SV to begin with is that there's no one there to really put forward what is the uh, what is the value structure, the moral value structure of this particular community? And it's sort of everything goes. It's the bizarre model, right? So you've got multiple implementations. Somebody puts up a new implementation. Everybody celebrates it. You've got multiple different, um, you know, wallets and and uh, the little social apps and all of that. And there's there's this broad sort of community congratulatory air to, and and it's very attractive and it's very seductive if you're a developer to be involved in a community like that because you you can innovate and at times you can do some really stupid things and people will applaud uh and that's a drawback of the bizarre model i think a lot of that is going to go away in on the sv side i think that, that they will probably make they will have a lot less experimentation i think they'll probably make a lot less huge mistakes but i think 
the huge innovations will probably, as well as the huge mistakes, will also be coming from out of the the uh, BCH, the Bitcoin Cash camp. So I think that's really what we're looking at is we're looking at this this uh, play of the cathedral model and the bizarre model of organizing uh, of organizing groups and particularly those that are circling around software. So I, I think that's what people can can pay attention to. I'm most interested to see how how that interplay between BCH and SB is going to affect uh, the BTC community. I already see, as Chris said, I already see some people who are old schoolers. I'm surprised at how many old schoolers are are uh, having an affinity towards SV. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. And and Daniel, um, why in your mind is is kind of have you have you made SV kind of the, the you know the, the the true faith I guess of Bitcoin and the one uh, most capable of achieving the goals of Bitcoin? Uh, okay. Well, first of all, uh, I never thought that Bitcoin was a rock, but um, uh, agree with everything Chris said, except that proof of work as a truth about Bitcoin. Uh, I I uh, think that there are objective truths about Bitcoin uh, because some things, some ways of interacting, are more valuable, and some are less valuable. And uh, uh, um, and uh, to me, the um, um, the the reason that SV is uh, more valuable is that uh, it, it is the environment that a world money based on Bitcoin could grow out of. Uh, and what matters to me is uh, who who is a maximalist, and SV is maximalists. Uh, who who thinks that Bitcoin is capitalist? Uh, who understands how to cooperate uh, with other poker players? And uh, um. Oh, and a well. I should have said this at at the beginning because I wrote this note down. But uh, the the hash war is kind of about how do you stop your Siamese twin from killing himself. Uh, oh, and um, uh, cathedral versus uh, bazaar. Uh, so I I would say that uh, I agree with Vin as to. Uh, how to um, as to uh, the the culture of the two chains. However, uh, uh, I, I think that the SV chain will become more like a bazaar eventually, because the a, a miner that successfully scales Bit, Bitcoin inherently creates room for new miners, uh, and the uh, the ABC chain is creating an environment which ultimately will be uh, 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 hostile to um, to long-term investment in the network. And Chris, you mentioned uh, the the you know the, the rock thesis and and that 
it's you know no longer um, that. So how how were the leaders you know kind of of the you know the faith of the store of value, um, which seems to be you know the predominant on the BTC chain? How is that going to change the dem, you know demographics of the people that are, are following BTC as well as those in leadership? It's very hard on the BTC side of things because what's very evident. Number one is the Bitcoin core developers work for all the Bitcoins. And I don't know that the rhetoric on the pro BTC side has really grasped what that means. It seems like uh, it's sort of a, there's always this notion of the inevitable in uh, much of the Bitcoin core supporting camp. Um, Certainly the Bitcoin maximalists, maybe even all Bitcoiners, I don't know. But, But the notion of the inevitable is that you get into Bitcoin and what, what is certain is is Bitcoin ascendancy, and uh, there's a good, healthy degree of that, um, and and that's certainly a big part of why I'm here. But it, it's a little bit disingenuous because taken to its most extreme end, that would mean that you, the optimal solution is to do nothing, and it it saddens me because there's a lot of people in the Bitcoin core side of things uh, that have really taken that attitude to heart, and that's alienated a lot of people as well. It should have. Because uh, when they show up and they want to get started and they want to help uh, or, you know, they want to ask questions about how we can do better, uh, the, the resounding no is deafening and has caused what I think is a lot of uh, the drama in the space to begin with. Um, so in all of this, I, I think that the attitudes of inevitability will continue. I don't know if this answers the question. I think it does. It will continue in the Bitcoin core side of things as it always has. But I, I don't know that... Um, because because the rock is no longer uh, feasible, I don't know if that if that's going to be as well received uh, by new people, and the, the sort of arrogance of the foregone conclusion that there is a true Bitcoin and it is Bitcoin Core, um, I don't I don't think that that's going to attract the type of allegiance that people will want. What I what I suspect will happen ultimately is that people will probably index. And either index all the bitcoins, or they will index um, uh, the top ten uh, cryptocurrency offerings, or some such thing. And if that culture starts to bootstrap, and capital is coming into all of these chains, um, my suspicion is that uh, the bitcoin brand itself could end up being a little bit uh, murky uh, within the bitcoin core camp. And so you could end up seeing people defect not to the alternative bitcoins would be my suspicion, but to alternative blockchains. And um, I don't I don't know what the numbers would really show on that, but that would be my suspicion of how things will play out. Uh, a lot of a lot of what's I think happening here is this notion of like Bitcoin primacy as a brand. And I, I don't know that that's exactly true. I'm not betting on that. Uh, I think that that's a great hypothesis and it might be true, but I don't know that I actually believe that it has to be true. Uh, the, the, the belief that, that this is the MySpace and there will be a Facebook. It's not one that I really share, but. It's also not one that I'm so um, certain won't happen that I wouldn't bet in some capacity that would ac- that would accommodate that. And I actually be curious if like Daniel or Vin have an opinion there. Um, but uh, a-, a lot of what's happening is we're testing the Bitcoin brand, what what it is to be Bitcoin, and what it is in the mind of potential investors to be Bitcoin. And uh, that that hasn't dawned on the Bitcoin core camp at all uh, because of this rock meme that blinded them to that concept. I think that answers the question. No, I think that answers it uh, very well. Vin or Daniel, did you guys want to jump in? 
I, I think the uh, the notion, and I think it's super important, and it is it isn't said often enough. But what Chris is getting at with the idea that the that the core devs work for all the bitcoins, I I really advise everyone to just go into the GitHub repository for any I mean for anything from uh, Dash to SV to Ravencoin to Smart Cash. Go into the GitHub and look at who the top contributors are. And you're going to see that the top contributors are all core devs because this is all built off of the, they're all forks of Bitcoin. And so I think that it is, uh, it is interesting. And I think as people get more savvy to the, the notion and the idea that Yes, these are all implementations of Bitcoin at their core that the the brand I don't think can survive in the way that it has. Already the it has only been a year, which is so interesting, right? That there were there was such a vitriol thrown at Roger Veer for saying Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin, but I think that it, it there is a, a very new uh, nuanced view there to be like okay we'll just pull up the the Bitcoin ABC GitHub repo, and you'll see nothing but core devs. So for someone to say that that implementation is Bitcoin, I think I don't understand why that would even be contentious. Like to to a certain degree it it is, and then it's just all about are we better suited with the brand being associated with a particular implementation and a particular chain, or are we actually better suited with the brand uh, being related to all of those chains that are forks of Bitcoin, all of those that have UTXOs, that use Dakimoto consensus, that use the, that use proof of work. Maybe that that to have that holistic view is better. And then perhaps that ex excludes Ripple and Ethereum and some of the others. And maybe that then that's a place to, to draw the line. But um, I think certainly the SV camp is not going to let up. That seems to be their new mantra that Bitcoin SV is the original Bitcoin. It's the only Bitcoin. And um, they're going to beat that drum. And I don't really see anybody beating a, a, a drum uh you know, that, that, that I think can drown theirs out. So, um, so I would like to respond to Chris's comment that people might try to index over the top 10 coins and that a culture might form surrounding that. Uh, I would say that a culture cannot form around indexing altcoins because coins with different genesis blocks are inherently rivalrous to one another. So anyone who tries to index over altcoins will eventually be driven insane. Uh, only coins that have the same genesis block uh, can be successfully indexed over because for uh, uh, forks that come out of the same genesis block are alternate histories. Uh, they're not uh, altcoins of one another. Uh, every uh, every cryptocurrency is a brain, and uh, you 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 can't be a part of more than one brain for very long. Um, and so. Uh, 
So that 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 can't happen, in my opinion. Uh, I don't have anything else. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about was it was a very interesting thing that popped up was 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 shark pool, and I know that Daniel's uh, very involved there. So I was wondering if if Daniel, if you could go over and then um, uh, if uh, Vin or Chris afterwards, if you guys wanted to to jump in um, with your thoughts on this. But Daniel, if you could go over. What is Shark Pool? What purpose do they serve and what purpose will they be serving in the future in this space? Okay, so Shark Pool is essentially a bet that uh, Bitcoin is more valuable if altcoins don't exist. And it is a mining pool that uh, mines empty blocks on uh, chains other than uh, Bitcoin SV and um, then sells, uh, it pays the miners in BSV. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know if they've started doing this yet because they, um, they were originally paying in BCH before the split happened. So I don't know if, if they have actually started paying out in BSV yet, but my understanding is that that is their plan now. Now, if uh, if it is true that the, uh, Bitcoin is more valuable if altcoins don't exist, then this should be a uh, a profitable venture for miners because they're making uh, Bitcoin bigger and they're they're making uh, the altcoin more useless. So you're simultaneously investing in Bitcoin and hashing to make the altcoin useless. Um, and uh, I believe that uh, Bitcoin is more valuable if it is a unified global currency. So uh, I would agree that Shark Pool is making a reasonable bet. And I would also say that if somebody on uh, a different genesis block or a different a different chain i mean were to uh start to think about the idea of doing something similar with their chain that it actually makes the most sense to join with the person who has already started the aggression um uh, because um the the person who gets started first has the advantage. Uh, Chris or Vin, did you, either you guys have any thoughts on uh, on Shark Bull? Uh, so I, I actually I agree with Daniel on on what he's saying that the where I disagree or or I will say I disagree for the I, I agree for the most part. Where I disagree is, uh, you know, the idea behind. Nakamoto consensus or the idea that Satoshi is getting across in the white paper and and I've I've said this recently is that the fundamental idea the economic idea of why uh, miners prefer to stay honest is the idea that fundamentally in bitcoin you can't do uh, you can't inflict pain on others without inflicting pain on yourself so the idea that he presents is is 
why would somebody who had who was a miner who had majority hash power so therefore it means that he's the one receiving the most coins why would he do something stupid like a 51% attack that and a double spend which would reduce the trust in the network and thereby reduce the validity of his wealth and so yes shark pool is going to go out there and they're going to try to inflict pain on other chains that will work. Really what I think they're betting is it's not that they're betting that Bitcoin is uh, more valuable. What they're betting is that all of the chains that they are trying to inflict pain upon are actually not Bitcoin. And I think that, that, that there's an important piece in there because if it does turn out that those coins are actually Bitcoin, that hurting them will actually do damage to the overall trust in the ecosystem, which by extension will then hurt all of the Bitcoins because the, this ecosystem is connected, then they're actually going to be doing damage to themselves in the same way that uh, Satoshi describes someone who is a 51% miner doing a 51% attack and reducing the validity of his wealth. That if even if they're selling for BSV, they they're if the ecosystem is connected in the way that I think we are seeing it's connected uh, with this hash war and with the ecosystem wide price dump, uh, I I think that they may get a rude awakening to the idea that what they thought were altcoins were actually Bitcoin. Uh, I know Daniel will disagree with that. I think Chris will probably uh, disagree with that to a certain extent, um, but. Uh, but I, I think that what those alts that they're planning on mining are a lot more Bitcoin than they think they are. Something I would add to this, um, I, I, all the commentary has been good. And uh, I particularly do, I like Daniel's angle on it. Uh, it may very well be true. Um, but compounding a lot of the weirdness in all of these issues is what an ASIC is and what it represents economically. And... Making a long story short, it's roughly my opinion that the need to involve uh, foundries in producing ASICs to mine, it, it is a bit antithetical to the original spirit of Bitcoin. Uh, and more so than that, I think that it changes the power dynamics in ways that decouple user action from uh, blockchain results. Meaning, if you don't have an ASIC uh, or a friend who has uh, an ASIC or you know a permit from the government to produce ASICs, you, you're effectively uh, not part of the the, the crony group uh, of some kind. And, and I know that there's a lot more um, play in there than, than some type type of cronyism. But the notion that you you need a specific circuit to mine does kind of change the demographics on who can participate in these things. Um, now, I was talking to a neighbor uh, who's an old Bitcoiner this morning, even, and he he mined. And the process of mining for him is what made it real, which was never my journey, but it was for him. And I see that with a lot of other miners, uh, or at least people that show up to the space and they don't know what the hell this thing is, but once they mine, they get it. And Bitcoin doesn't seem to have that spirit anymore in no small part because of the ASIC uh, results. So the, the only thing I'll add to the shark pool notion is that it, it, to the degree that it's like this egalitarian pool seems slightly dubious to me because the upfront costs are fairly high and the need for access is high and permission, frankly, is high. And it would not surprise me at all if, if one of the reasons uh, Bitcoin flounders is because it didn't solicit the community 
in its mining uh, aspirations and goals. And for me, I, I'm very amenable to blockchains, which, which offered, you know, nominally or explicitly an ASIC resistance uh, pledge, because I, I think that that does change the, the, the blockchain dynamics to where something like uh, SharkPool becomes more feasible. Uh, because right now, like, you can't sound an alarm to tell Bitcoiners, like, all hands on deck, we need every man on the ship to do this. You can't do that because of ASICs. And uh, if you had that option, then I, I think the shark pool would probably be more uh, realistic and, and feasible than it is. But I could be wrong. It, it could just be that we're okay. So uh, with, with with a strategy of um, the, with the shark pool is decided to take. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, again, I think that hashing is a bit of a ruse in many ways too. So like the notion you could you could attack somebody that would go away. I haven't. That doesn't seem to happen. Usually, what happens is they just put a checkpoint in or change an algorithm or whitelist. Something like that. And then and then what you end up having is like a constant, it's not like you, you pay a, a small amount of money for like 10 hours. It becomes like a monthly check you have to write to deny off services network in perpetuity. And, that, and that's a different equation. Um, well, I would like to respond to that because um, so, so, uh, so uh, ASIC resistance uh, actually means that hashing is a, uh, a, does not correspond as well to uh, energy lost, and uh, I think uh, not not ASIC resistance is the quickest path to lost energy, and um, costly signals oppose that which they demonstrate. So uh, uh, antlers are the exact opposite of everything that you would want if you are uh, a buck. Um, they make everything more inconvenient. So what lost energy opposes is intelligence. So the not ASIC resistant coin is the more intelligent. So that's all fair. Uh, to be clear, I, I think having some degree of reservation or humility in these things is, is so like underappreciated in the space. Everyone's full of righteousness and certainty. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, the longer I'm in this, the less of that I've got. I'll tell you that. Oh, I, I don't think I'm certain about very many things. Oh, I, that wasn't. Yeah, no, you're great. I appreciate. Oh, I appreciate, okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate your, uh, your weighing in always. Um, okay. That, that, yeah. I didn't mean it. I, I thought that after I said, I was like, you know, I, I hope they know like I was thinking, oh, I wasn't talking about you. Uh, I'm talking about you know oh, okay. these other these other some of these other Bitcoiners who like they know everything they see all they are 100% uh, certain all the time uh, they are the you know the Miss Cleos of Bitcoin we have many of these. Well, well, I'm I'm uh, very certain of the things that I actually say, but I I stick to a, a limited uh, range. I, I stick. I, I don't have a. I don't have a very limited range, you know? <laughs> but I try not oh. to have as much certainty. So I think it balances out. <laughs> Yeah, I, you oh, know, okay. I, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I, I'd be curious, um, I guess what would, you know, something else that needs to be said in the space is like the, the Bitcoin cash proposition was that we could uh, create, you know, retail, a vibrant retail economy. And, and that seemed healthy to me. Uh, I liked that very much. Um, and the, the Bitcoin core route seemed to be the opposite. Uh, spending money was terrible. You should use Visa. I didn't like that. Um, not at all. And I, I guess... You know, it it seems to me that if if this sort of like rock meme is dying, 
Um, that doesn't mean that we, we have to give up anything uh, at all. Uh, I always liked this for a plan B of sorts. Like that was always what, like, what appealed to me uh, after the initial phase of utility um, was, was that notion. And uh, I, I'm hoping the industry goes that way, uh, at, at least at some level. What, the problem that I have with plan B, I will say with some of the strategies is that like in a good plan B, it seems to me that you would be able to use your, your Bitcoin to do things. Um, and, and it doesn't seem like uh, B, BTC wants that. So that's kind of weird because if it's going to be uh, a plan B that nobody uses, that doesn't seem like a good selling point. Um, what, what are you guys seeing there with, with uh, like Bitcoin SVs? Is the, has the plan B moniker started yet? Um, or is that, is that, are we premature on that? We wait for the economy to go down first. I mean, it's, you know, what's interesting, and I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, lately, Chris, and I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to move to the idea that I think we were maybe wrong in terms of how this adoption was going to happen, because where it seems that the adoption, where the real pickup is, is not in uh, use of the currency is not even in hodling. Certainly this new group and the group that uh, came in and I think has most of the people who are really in support of SV, uh, because SV is in, in many ways, it's been unusable for the past couple of weeks, but that hasn't been an issue for many of the supporters. I really think that it's it's now what people are getting in it for is is really the community. I'm seeing a lot more people involved online who are very vocal, very loud, and I'm pretty sure that they're not big hodlers, that they don't use it very often. They're non-technical in terms of as devs. They're not people who are hyper-involved in Austrian economics, and they didn't come in from that direction, that I'm seeing people really more for, dare I say, fellowship. Uh, in a real, almost a religious or a communal sense. And I'm thinking that perhaps really what it might end up being is it might just end up being uh, that we have to sort of breed our own adoption and that uh, over time it's going to take a generation or two and it's just going to be the children of um, people who are a part of this culture and who were raised with uh, the word Bitcoin you know, being said in their house and being introduced to these sorts of things and that they're just going to grow up and it's going to be normal, much in the same way as, let's say, like the Mormons, basically, uh, they, they bred the state of Utah, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking that we may have actually gotten this wrong and that the religious aspect, the religious community aspect uh, may actually end up what be, being what people adopt more so. And then from there, that we will will actually build out into the monetary aspects that we had that we had envisioned. I mean, that's the direction I see it going. I mean, I'm interested to to hear if you guys think that I'm just off my rocker with that, or if you're seeing something similar too. No, I haven't seen that for a while. Well, I, I thought that was you go, Daniel. Oh, sorry. I I thought that was really interesting because I actually think that Bitcoin is the next phase of human evolution. So it would make sense if that happened. Where are you seeing people, Vin? Are IRL or online? Uh, more, more online. More online. I mean, being here in New Hampshire, uh, there's it's already well. And interestingly enough, that's sort of kind of a, a microcosm and a bit of a controlled experiment. Seeing people here in the Free State Project is that 
you know, people use cryptocurrency here because they're free staters, not the other way around. So it's the, it, the, the community was there. And then the crypto came in as as being a representation that that sort of uh, mirrored and resonated with the community. And, you know, people around here use just about anything. Um, people have their various their various different um you know, allegiances, but they'll use just about anything. But yeah, online, certainly online, uh, within the community, there's been an influx in the last year of people, uh, really since the fork. And uh, so many of those people, the most vocal and loud, um, and and they're creating content, many of them, as I say, many of them are, are non-technical in, in terms of they're not devs. Um, but you know, they're getting heavily involved. And I don't think that they are really either holding or otherwise exchanging or using uh, the currency much, but they are they are stalwarts for one chain or another. Well, I think it's interesting that you talk about the religious aspect of it, because in, in a way with with Bitcoin um, and the theology is that it's not individuals independent of themselves that make a faith itself spread and and become dominant, but it's the community itself is self-reinforcing that develops around that that thing that actually makes it uh, uh, the the inherent value of it that you know in, in this case the Bitcoin have more value is because of the community that springs up around it and the and the you know as uh, I can't remember what interview it was Vin recently where you were talking about we need more evangelicals. But um, in, in that aspect, I find that very interesting. The religion I'm seeing isn't even necessarily uh, evangelicals for whatever it's worth. Uh, I, I'm seeing a new form of religion in a lot of ways. You know, I, this gets into a difficult political discussion and uh, a lot of history, but it does seem as if people are serving some communal need through cryptocurrency in ways that I think religion would have done uh, last century. And I don't think that they themselves are ascribing to traditional religions. I think that they are manifesting new forms of religion, uh, or at least technology that seems to work in a religious capacity. And uh, it's very organic, frankly, which is, is both, it, it, I have mixed feelings on the whole thing. It's, it's, it's definitely a bullish indicator, like no doubt about that in my mind. But it's, you're, you're riding a very fickle bull um, once you kind of ascribe uh, mythical powers and supernatural powers to these things, they tend to become less manageable, which uh, can be good and bad. No, I think you're you're right, Chris, as far as for filling a void, because we see that uh, with things, you know, just like veganism or CrossFit, right? Um, just viewing yes. people's, you know, the average Instagram profile, uh, it seems, and just knowing people that get into it, it becomes a religion for these people. They talk, all they talk is CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. That's their community. That's their brotherhood or sisterhood. Uh, those are the people they relate to. Those are the people they talk to and hang out with all the time. The same with veganism. Anyone outside of it, they'll still talk to them depending on how, um, how deep you get into it, especially with veganism. But uh, it, it becomes your your entire world. And I, I think that that is very much a, a, a niche that has was filled. Uh, by traditional religions, you know, 100 or even 50 years ago. And and now as you're starting to see this move uh, away to the um, kind of more common of uh, uh, spiritual but not religious or um, kind of uh, viewpoint that most people have, that they are looking to fill these voids with something else and ascribe 
um, um, whether it's warranted or not, um, mythological powers or um, some sort of uh, 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 ethos to to these um, what in CrossFit's uh, way a hobby and a Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin's a little bit different to me, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I I do I do get your point. Yeah, what I see in Bitcoin, and I don't know for the audience of the show, they can they can ask themselves if they see this or not, or if if uh, if they themselves are these people, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. But there's this notion of like a perfect form uh, from which all other things are measured. And it seems as if in many ways um, the perfect form is either uh, the Bitcoin utopia, Bitcoin itself, or perhaps an ANCAP ideology. And that's like the first principle. And from there, everything else is assessed. And that's the start of it. Uh, and it, it seems that uh, there's like this Bitcoin is mentality that it, unironically um, and, and unabashedly and, and uh, I, I, I think even on, like unawareingly uh, reference uh, terms and phrases that would have said God is perhaps instead. And um, like when you, when you, when you come across that, it's, it's, I try to play with it when I see it, just understand how the hell it works. Um, but you, you see like a, like a very steadfast and uh, high conviction faith. And, you know, like the dollar has that too, you know, and God we trust is, is a sort of cornerstone of the, of the belief. I just watched a PBS thing on YouTube uh, this morning uh, on what is money. And like, it, 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 it's not unusual to Bitcoin that money forms some religious end. Uh, I think that is kind of how money works is you have faith in uh, a symbol or a piece of paper or, or some, some notional community. So, so that's all good. Um, like, again, I do, I do think that the management issues might backfire on us because, uh, left, left unabated, um, my concern would be that the, the, uh, inmates run the, the asylum at some level if things get bad, but, uh, who knows? We're not there yet. Uh, I, I would like to, um, respond to the religious, uh, the, the religion angle for Bitcoin. So, um, uh, in, in Bitcoin, or in any in any blockchain, there is an incentive to achieve centrality in the network, and the way to achieve centrality is to simulate your place within the entire network, because uh, that's the only way you know where the center is. So, the Bitcoin network is uh, many people who are all mutually simulating their place in the whole. Uh, they are all, uh, they all have an incentive to develop a shared idea about one another. And uh, that is the Bitcoin God. And because uh, the competition to uh to 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 um to uh for for proof of work continually gets worse as bitcoin grows uh the competition never ends so there's no level of intelligence that is high enough did anybody have any uh closing thoughts um before before we wrap this episode up uh, it's uh, been about an hour almost an hour and a half now but I think we've kind of covered everything. 
I would I would throw out there for the audience to consider, and and I would be interested if in, uh, Daniel want to want to discuss this. I mean, the, the notion of the ideal Bitcoin is certainly something that's probably uh, dear to all of us, um, but it seems as if decentralization having limits might be the lesson of the hash war. Uh, if if we completely decentralize uh, the Bitcoin, it would seem that everybody has their own ticker symbol, and nobody conduct trade with any other person. Um, meanwhile, if we only have one Bitcoin it seems that there is a high potential for tyranny. And so I think that the community is going to have to start grappling with uh, what is Bitcoin in a way that in, invites compromise, uh, that, that probably establishes some link between uh, compromise and centralization in, in so much as like a shelling point is a compromise, a, a shelling point is a centralized source of some degree. And I, I would say that's my, that might be the moral of this is are shelling points centralized and is that okay? And what degree, what degree of decentralization uh, do we, do we see optimally in Bitcoin's future? That would be kind of how I would, I would frame a lot of this and you guys can decide if you agree. I think that's uh, I think that's awesome. I think that that's something that has been, that's been on my mind as of late. And I think that we have to definitely re-examine what does decentralization mean? I think that it has been, uh, there has been the thought in Bitcoin that decentralization, and certainly this was coming from the BTC side uh, with the, in the past two years, it's been a mantra that decentralization was really about the number of nodes on a particular network. But I think that we are seeing that indeed decentralization is about many nodes on many networks, uh, but as Chris said, and I think that it is an important point, I don't think anybody wants absolute decentralization because that would mean that everyone had their own node on their own network. And at that point, uh, we don't have Bitcoin any longer. So there does have to be some compromise in between. And I think that that's uh, I do think that is perhaps the moral of uh, of this discussion. Yeah, it, well, maybe I, I the... think. Oh, sorry. No, you go, Daniel. Uh, you go. I, I think I think Bitcoin is decentralized because anybody can compete to get to the center, but there only needs to be one center. Okay, and I, I really appreciate everybody coming on and being here tonight. I know it was a little bit of a later evening for uh, or a, a later in the evening podcast, but I, I really enjoyed the discussion, and I hope that we can do it again soon. But um, um, where can, uh, we'll start with Vin, then Chris, then Daniel, where can everybody find you and contact you? Uh, easiest way for me is vinarmani.com, at vinarmani on Twitter. And uh, if you are not using Cointext already, we're in 35 countries as of Monday. So cointext.io, go and uh, find the number for your country and get using. We're uh, Bitcoin Cash Dash. Litecoin, and I think we'll probably be adding Bitcoin SV and uh, maybe even BTC uh, in the first quarter of 2019. So uh, that's Cointex.io. Well, uh, I'm I'm available on all the all the social media things. DeRose on Twitter, Bitcoin Uncensored on YouTube, and ChrisDeRose.com. Come and check me out. See if you want to hang in the bar patch. Uh, look up my show Bitcoin Stuff on YouTube and. Uh, I'm Daniel Krawitz on Twitter. Uh, my last name is spelled K-R-A-W-I-S-Z. 
All right. And I'll have links to everyone's social media profiles, YouTube and everything like that at the uh, in the episode notes at DigiNoCrypto.com. And once again, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.